Welcome everybody. Um, my name is Dale Rounds and I am the Associate Dean for Continuing Education here at Princeton Theological Seminary. I want to welcome you um, to this first venture we have, this pilot um, panel to gather together to reflect on ministry practices and reflect theologically on how the church is responding, um, how congregations are responding to the current health um, pandemic. We're grateful that you're here. I do think that you will um, probably see one of us at a time as we are speaking. So I'm gonna introduce everyone who's on the panel. And panelists, if you would uh, go ahead and turn your mics on and speak a quick hello when I give your name, because that way you will pop up large on the screen for people to actually see you. So we have with us today, um, the Reverend Charlene Han Powell. Charlene. Hi. There we go, thanks Charlene. Charlene. Charlene's executive pastor at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. We also have Reverend Don Lincoln. Hey. Here's Don. Don is lead pastor at Westminster Presbyterian Church in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and he's a member of the Seminary's Board of Trustees. Um, we also have Ryan Timpty. Ryan, are you there? Hey, everyone. There's Ryan. Ryan is director of children's ministry at the Lafayette Arenda Presbyterian Church um, in the greater San Francisco Bay Area. And then we have Reverend um, Mia Chang. Mia? Hi, everyone. There she is. Mia is lead pastor at Next Gen Church in West Windsor, New Jersey here. And it's a congregation that's in one of our projects with the Institute for Youth Ministry here at Princeton Seminary. And we have the Reverend um, Maureen Gerald. Maureen? Hi, everyone. There she is. Maureen is executive pastor at Shiloh Baptist Church down the street from us here in Trenton, New Jersey. She's also a clinical social worker and spiritual director. So thank you to all of you for agreeing to join together in this conversation today. Um, we will start folks with some questions that I have and the panelists will respond. And then toward the end, the last 25, 20 minutes, we'll do some Q&A from you. If you all wanna go ahead and um, you can put your questions into the chat if you want to. Um, and you can also, when we get to that point, raise your hand and we'll call on you and you'll be able to, we'll turn on your sound and then you can actually talk to us all. Got two other folks here online in the panel I need to introduce you to, um, two colleagues of mine. One is Sushama Austin Connor. Sushama, can you say hey? Hey everybody. There Hi there. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Hi. Sushama is the um, program administrator with me in continuing education. And then I have Jacob Davis. Jacob? Hello. There's Jacob. Jacob is an, an MA in Christian education senior. He'll be graduating um, this May from Princeton Seminary. And Jacob has been really helpful to me this whole year with some of our online continuing education programming. So, um, Folks, I'm going to ask um, just a general question, a very quick response, I think, from each of you. Um, we were talking about this a little bit before we started up. Just, just a quick read on um, you know, how you are doing right now in, in the middle of things as you're retooling and uh, trying to address um, ministry in this new context. Um, Maureen, can you give me just a, a quick couple words on that? 
Yeah, so um, there, there are a couple, of, particularly in my space, just to give you some context, um, I'm in the Trenton area and, um, and I am working with the community here, um, but I also am working with the Princeton Seminary community, some of the students over there who, um, who are trying to move and breathe in, at this time in all of this and all of the changes that are taking place. Um, so we're, we're coming up with some very creative, innovative ways to kind of move and meet needs and respond and breathe and be calm at the same time. Um, so there's some, there's some really good things and we're also learning how to kind of collaborate in real time. It's one thing to kind of talk about how to do this. It's another thing to actually do it when we really need to do it. So um, we're also finding out um, that we're partnering with having new relationships uh, with people in partnership. So there's, there's, some, there's some good stuff coming out of a bad situation. That's, that's great. Yeah. Ryan, how are you, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing okay. So um, I'm out in the Bay Area, uh, which means that we are now on day 10 of uh, the shelter in place order. So we're uh, out in front of uh, some of the other people who now have that order. Uh, and it's, uh, it's both good and, and hard. Um, I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old at home. Uh, my wife is a college professor, so um, we're both blessed to be able to work from home, but that means that we've been switching off childcare duties. Um, never have I felt more keenly the adage, um, it takes a village to raise a child uh, than when the village is no longer there. Um, and I know that a lot of the parents in this community are feeling that as well. Um, children's ministry uh, in this sort of a, in this sort of an era is is very interesting um, it's proven uh, to we, we have a lot of challenges but we've also got some really cool opportunities too um, so we're we're doing okay and Charlene how about you and you're in the middle of New York City which is hitting a, a peak right now I think yeah uh a peak is a nice word for it. I think it's going to be a prolonged peak. We're in yeah. the epicenter. Um, for any of those who are watching those websites of the tracking numbers, it's, it's kind of terrifying. Um, so I'll be completely honest. I am overwhelmed. I've, uh, I know that a lot of people are finding um, space for rest and catching up on things that they haven't had the time to do. Um, like Ryan, I have two young kids at home and in my capacity as the executive pastor, I am, um, in charge of keeping the church running and going and the church is absolutely running and going. Um, but we're just having to figure out how to do that remotely. Um, and so it is, uh, it's constant from the moment I wake up, it's managing multiple devices, two children. My husband also works. Um, and so figuring out how to um, uh, get balance and rest in this new normal is kind of just an ongoing process for us. Good. Thank you. And Don, how about you? Um, I'm, uh, you know, I'm energized, um, anxious. Um, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling um, stressed. It's sort of a mix of things. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, mostly, mostly pretty energized. I've got a very creative team that I'm a part of. Um, my home life is is pretty settled. I have no children at home. My wife is retired. Mm -hmm. um, I I love to cook, and so I'm having a chance to do some creative things uh, around that. I'm getting to walk every afternoon, which I haven't done in a long time. 
Uh, I'm finding out that Zoom meetings with staff take twice as long as they do when we're all in the same room. Um, we're, you know, I've got really creative uh, hearts and minds in my team. I'm, I'm one of four pastors at the congregation I serve. We're suburban Philadelphia, and we're in pretty constant contact while also acknowledging we're trying to give each other Sabbath times. Um, several of them have children at home, and um, so it, 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 we're negotiating that as we go. Um, but I, I, I feel okay. Good, good. Thank you. And Mia, how about you? For me, um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm pastoring a church in um, just 10 minutes away from Princeton University. And, uh, and uh, it's, for me personally, it's been uh, um, a restful time, I want to say, in the midst of all this, in the midst of all the confusion and chaos that's going on outside. For me, it's been a time of rest. Uh, I've been struggling in the area of Sabbath. And as a pastor, I've been struggling with that. And, and it's really given me a forced Sabbath. Uh, to be home, to be able to uh, be a little bit more disciplined about my exercise, eating, and and uh, things like that. So it's been a healing time for me. Uh, so, uh, it, but with that, also stressful, as Don mentioned, it's kind of a two uh, realities going on at the same time, stressful in terms of how to serve and how to minister to our congregation. Uh, you know, we're a young church, we're a church plant of 10 years, and uh, we've done so many things um, where everything really based is, is centers around being with one another, doing life together, uh, and trying to do that, navigate that through uh, online and, and, and all of that it has been a struggle, but we are working through that, those challenges. Um, we have also uh, a church that we are planting in Trenton uh, and uh, called the Dinner Church. And that involves people around the table eating together. And so how do we do that? Uh, you know, it's, it's difficult to do that remotely. So trying to figure those, uh, those elements uh, have been challenging. Thank you. I know um, watching friends, watching my social media feed of all my alumni um, the last couple weeks of people um, making this the quick switch from face-to-face -face worship to um, online programming um, I've just I've seen a lot of um, what appears to be some stress some wonderful creativity um, wonderful willingness to share resources um, with one another and support each other as best they can. I'm wondering if each of you would, would just tell me, tell us all a little bit um, about what changes have you made in the last couple of weeks and a, and a little bit of how they've gone. I mean, what's been good and what's been a colossal failure, I guess, is one of my questions. Um, and uh, uh, I don't know who who wants to jump in on that first. Anybody? I'll go, Bill. Thanks. Um, we were really fortunate to have uh, live streaming uh, already in place, and uh, we've been doing that for about two and a half years. Um, actually, have kind of a satellite campus in a retirement community uh, where 100, 120 people are in their chapel watching live stream now of course they can't gather but 
they've all gotten pretty technically savvy in joining us online. So a lot of my colleagues who, who didn't have those capabilities scrambling and finding themselves now in a queue for providers who were trying to you know, upload clients. So we were very, very fortunate uh, on that count. We're, we're only in the building, uh, we've, we've shut down our building through May 10th, um, and we're only in the building to, um, to live stream. We live stream a 20 minute chapel service uh, which is not in our chapel because we don't live stream in there. It's in our sanctuary, but a chapel service on Wednesday mornings with virtual communion, which was a new experience. And um, then two services on Sunday morning. Um, we've never live streamed our, um, our contemporary service. We've always been live streaming a traditional service with choir and organ and, and hymns. Now we're streaming two services, one with the traditional and one with the contemporary first time last Sunday and still working out the kinks um, and keeping to about seven people in the building all told. Um, our biggest challenge right now is putting together a calling chain for a large congregation. Um, and it's, we're about a week into dividing that up between uh, about a hundred people who would be making calls um, and um, we're just about ready to, to get that out. And I'm, I'm feeling really, really positive about that. But the, the virtual um, worship has been really significant to the congregation and, and finding lots of small groups. We're doing Sunday school classes online. And our choir is gathering at choir rehearsal kind of time. So, Great. How, how are the older members? You, it's interesting, you said, so you, you were already set up for some virtual live streaming for some of the communities. I, I've been wondering how older people are doing, if they're able to figure out these live stream things and stuff like that. So you've had some okay experience with that so far. Yes, they're obviously people who, who have difficulty getting there, but we've, um, we've been working on a platform for about two and a half years and been troubleshooting with individuals communications director is constantly on the phone or online with people so when when people couldn't get to the chapel in the retirement community and they were they were in their own apartment for mobility reasons or health reasons they've many of them have learned how to do this on a computer or on a tv that's great uh with roku or or you know something like yeah. that no, so that's, so that's a great. lot of our a lot of our older folks are very definitely um, in, engaged with it. That's great. Brian, can you tell me a little bit about how you're doing, um, what are y'all doing for the children in the church? Yeah, so it's, um, it's been a really interesting time. Um, one of the things that we are doing right now, our, um, traditionally our Sunday school runs concurrently with our worship service in the sanctuary. Uh, and kids are always welcome in the sanctuary, but, you know, just by nature of what adult worship is, most families find it more uh, meaningful for the kids to be with us um, in the Christian Life Building. Um, but this season um, has given us an opportunity to, um, to have more children's messages in worship, um, for instance. So um, as a part of our, our live streaming worship, I record a children's message um, and then that gets tied into uh, the rest of what everybody else is doing. 
Uh, and that's been really meaningful, both for the kids and for the older adults, um, to be able to hear um, a, a message that's that's based in in solid theology, but that is geared towards a younger audience. Um, it has given our our older adult community a window into um, into into a different sort of um, being, right? Um, and we're hoping to expand some of that too. Some of the offerings that, we, that we're starting right now, um, we've got a blog, um, we've um, dramatically increased the number of videos that we're doing on the blog. Um, I'm blessed with a, a large children's ministry staff. Um, I've got uh, two associate directors under me. Um, and so we're each doing a video every week. Uh, I'm doing what the, the Sunday school lesson would have been. One of my colleagues, Lori Robinson, is doing um, a take-home spiritual practice, um, mm -hmm. ways to create sacred space at home. Uh, and uh, my other colleague, Susan Wentworth, is doing things geared specifically for preschoolers. Um, uh, and we're also uh, doing, uh, we're going to be doing a, a Zoom uh, meeting later today uh, for lunchtime prayer for elementary schoolers. Uh, we've been doing one-on-one -on -one FaceTime or Google Hangouts with some mm -hmm. of our families. Um, but really, what's what we're discovering is that the there are a lot of resources for kids out there right now. Mm -hmm. um, almost every uh, scholastic or you know web-based uh, program that's out there right now has decided to go free for this yeah. time, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and so part of what we're trying to figure out then is where does children's ministry in the church fit in that ecosystem? We're not school. Um, we're not, uh, you know, we're not there to make sure the kids are super active. So what are we here for? And where, where we've landed is that we're, um, our part of that ecosystem is to be the non-anxious presence for families mm -hmm. um, and to figure out ways to help kids articulate what they're feeling, um, uh, connect one-on-one um, -on -one, uh, with other people who are thinking the same things. Uh, we always, I had a colleague last week um, who said, we're always in children's and youth ministry um, complaining about how, you know, if, if parents just didn't value sports so much or if they didn't value academics uh, the way that they do, then they would come to church. Mm -hmm. Well, they're not doing any of those things now because it's all canceled, right? Um, so we have this opportunity, even though we can't meet at our physical location, we have this opportunity to meet our families literally where they are. Um, and the, the, some of the things that the children's ministry and youth ministry communities are coming up with are, are pretty amazing. You can find a lot of stuff online right now. Um, so one of the things that I would say is don't try and make it up all by yourself. Um, there's a whole community of children's and youth ministers out there we're doing really great work that we can partner together with um, so that we're focusing our energy where it needs to be. You mentioned blogs and things. I'm, I'm assuming that's public. So how would someone find the videos and stuff that you're posting? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, if you go to our website, lopc.org, um, and if you go to the children's section of that website, there's a link to something called the Family Faith at Home blog. Um, I can put that link in the chat in just a couple of minutes too. But we do, uh, we do three videos a week that are new content. And then a couple of years ago, uh, we got a grant to do something called the Fantastic Project, which was uh, a video series that we did based on uh, kindness and justice and mercy and teaching children how to engage in those concepts. And so we're rerunning some of those things too. 
It's great. Thanks. Charlene, you said that your, your church has the doors may be closed, but it is not stopping. So can you share a little bit about what kind of shifts you've made and, and what's still going on and what are you able to, to keep doing? Um, so pretty much everything is going on except for we have a homeless shelter in our church building that we had to close down um, for this time period for safety reasons. Um, but unlike Dawn, we have not had live streams. So we had to fast track about 400,000 projects into the 21st century, which has been a good and helpful um, challenge for all of us. We're not doing live stream because we have gone to a very, very, very staggered um, staff approach where we can't have any two clergy in the same room at the same time um, because we just want to make sure that one of us is you know, in good health to, in order to, to keep the church going. Um, so we're going, and for the past few weeks, we've just been going into the church with a videographer and filming our various portions. So we don't see each other until she has um, uh, edited all of those pieces together. Um, and starting this week, uh, we're gonna be, some of our clergy are even gonna be filming from home. So I'll be doing my first sermon from my living room. Um, Thank God Amazon at least is, is shipping some stuff in like a four-day period because I have to order all the equipment to um, set up my home for worship. Um, you know, Dale, the question that you asked originally is what has changed for your church? I mean, everything, right? And so I echo everything that everyone's been saying. Um, fellowship is happening online. Education is happening online. Faith formation is happening online. We're doing congregational care with phone trees, same way, emails all of that stuff. Um, uh, I think to, I think was it Don who said that the meetings are longer now? Um, we're just having to shift into a space of uh, uber intentionality. So we can't do any meeting without an agenda or a moderator because it just kind of devolves into chaos. Um, and so we're, we're being really thoughtful about everything because we realize it is harder to gather. Whereas like the water cooler effect has completely gone away. So um, if an idea is start is put out there, we're incubating it in a very um, efficient and uh, um, efficient way so that we're not just spinning 400 ideas. Because I think right now we're in a space where we're like, okay, let's be creative and let's get things out there and people are at home. Um, but I'm also hearing from my parent friends and um, just colleagues that they've also never been busier. And so how can we be pushing out the most um, clear, quick and thoughtful content? And so that's requiring us to just shift the way we've worked for centuries, um, at least at Fifth Ave. Um, and to be mindful of the fact that now our congregation um, is not just limited to the people who we see in the pews. So tomorrow I will deliver a sermon and I know exactly where my congregation sits. Like people have their pew address, right? So they sit in the exact same place every Sunday. And that image I'll hold very sacred in my head, but I also have to hold it lightly um, because other people are tuning in and we are now ministering to an entire congregation of people that we've never met. Um, and so trying to to kind of theologically and practically uh, process through what that means for us is, is a challenge right now. Yeah, I know. 
Sunday morning, I feel a little bit like a kid in a candy store because I'm getting to, to worship with and um, hear preach all kinds of seminary grads who are serving all over the country. And I've never got to hear that, see them, you know, sort of see them in their context. It's not like fully their context at this point, but it's, it's been, that's been a positive side of it for, for me to be able to see. So like I've seen Ryan, I've seen one of your videos and, you know, so I've, I, uh, the, the children's time. Um, so I'm spying on my, my graduates and some, at some level, maybe, I don't know, but that, that's been a real gift actually in, in this is, and I, and you're right, Charlene, to think about how, um, you're still tending to your congregation, but because of this now open door, the doors have been flung even farther open, right? So there are more people in the pews, so to speak, at this time than you did before. It's an interesting way to think about that. Um, Maureen, how about you? How about Shiloh and, and the other ministries that are going on in Trenton that you're involved with? What's, what's changed? Yeah, yeah. So the landscape is really looking different. I was listening to Don and I was like excited to hear how things are kind of moving smoothly uh, technologically. Um, in Trenton, it, it, it is a tech desert and uh, that's presenting a, a major challenge for us. Um, and so we are kind of having to do some of what Charlene was saying, like kind of fast track everything in an Uber kind of way, um, try to figure out what are gonna be the best platforms um, so that we can get our, our Bible studies and our small groups online to go virtual. And it has been a challenge with our seniors. Um, the way that we've reached out to them in the past has just kind of been through robocalls. We've never had them really acclimate to technology um, via the phone and the call-in. So now we're doing it and it's kind of like um, on-the-job training, so to speak. So, so uh, it's hard, like they'll pre press the pound button after they put in the 800 number instead of after the access code. And then, <laughs> and some of them will hang up several times and then, you know, we'll call them back and say, okay, do this. So that's, it's, it's been fun and challenging at the same time, um, that component of it, trying to kind of move us into the 21st century and what it looks like in church space with technology, using technology. Um, we're trying out a lot of different um, platforms to figure out what's going to be best for our congregation, which might be different for our leadership and our executive board meetings. So that's been a challenge. Um, the other thing that I think has been um, challenging is actually trying to mobilize our volunteers to be able to go to the homes and run errands for our seniors. So our seniors have said, hey, we, we're afraid to go out. There's some isolation happening for us. And so we've put together some volunteer teams and we've had to do a training around that. And we tried to create like a um, video to train. Um, and some of them, of course, we're trying to have them use safe precautions when doing that. So we're trying to find a supply so that they can actually do that and go to the homes of our seniors and to pick up medication for them or go to the grocery store or uh, different things like that. So uh, that's, that's the other part of what we're kind of um, doing and, and acclimating to. And the other part that's kind of um, more challenging and I guess heavier for us is that um, Shiloh, like other urban ministries, um, have lost um, in a very different way. We have it more often and sometimes it's more complicated because of the type of loss that is suffered in urban space. And now we are, that's compounded with them not being able to have 
homegoing services. And so we're finding creative ways to offer memorial service, homegoing service, and, and ways to kind of minister to them and ways about the sort of creating, um, offering them a theological framework for that, how to kind of move, we're thinking about that, how to move in that space when we talk about a tradition of, of gathering, repast, um, you know, there is a, a, a bereavement service that we offer prior to the homegoing. And then we do the homegoing service and then we do our repast service. And then typically there's sort of a celebration post the repast. So there's this huge celebration around, around death and, and what it means for the resurrection. And we're unable to kind of do that. So yeah, we're in our think tanks trying to figure it out, you know, as we go. Yeah, and as, you know, unfortunately, as this moves on um, and more congregations have funerals to do and there are more um, restrictions on gathering, um, we're going to be trying to figure out how to do memorial services and gravesides and things um, at a distance. And it's, that's going to be a hard one to, to figure out um, as, as we go along. Um, Mia, what's changed for, for you all? Um, other than, I mean, obviously coming together for meals and for discipleship and, and all of that. And I think those are, those were integral components of uh, a young church, uh, church plants. Um, and so that, that's been difficult. However, uh, we've been able to connect, um, through, whatever uh, platforms, uh, Zoom and, and uh, conference calls and, and so on, Google Hangouts. Uh, and we've been meeting to pray and we've been intentional about that, that we have not, um, we have not sort of let go or we haven't really, um, you know, um, we've been focusing on the area of prayer and, and coming together uh, for that purpose. So just this morning, um, our, our parents uh, got together to pray for our children um, in our area now. Uh, we just received a notice yesterday saying that the schools will be closed till May 1st. So um, how do we navigate um, having our children home, younger ones, older ones, college, teen, college young adults coming back and, and so on. So praying over these areas. Uh, and, and I think that's been great. So people who uh, were not able to participate before um, because of work or for whatever reasons, have been able to, to dial in and, and they were able to pray. So I think that's been very encouraging for me, uh, just emphasizing on prayer together. Um, also, we're coming together to, to just to you know, encourage each other with uh, the scripture. Uh, we're having daily connections through different clusters. Uh, so I think it's been great, although there's, uh, we're lacking the face-to-face, but I think we're really coming together and just encouraging and really thinking about others uh, in, in that way. So it's been very helpful. Um, I think you asked a question earlier about what didn't work for, 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 for us. Um, I'm gonna say not a failure, but it didn't go well, our last uh, youth group uh, gathering uh, Saturday in that you know we're used to kind of, you know all the kids are used to, um, kind of hands-on and, and sort of tactile kind of experience. And then to do that remotely was a challenge, but uh, it made me realize supporting the families and supporting our, our parents particularly are critical so that they could uh, sort of uh, care for their children at home. And so we're kind of going that route. How do we support our parents during this time? And so uh, we've been intentional about that and that's been going very well uh, so far. 
Thank you. Um, we've got one question. It's, each, it's interesting that the churches are doing managing worship, um, digital worship differently. Some are doing live streaming and some are doing uh, pre-recorded. And I've noticed that too. I don't know if anyone has thoughts on, so why did your congregation make the choice that it's made so far? Don, clearly yours, you were set up to do it. That's why you're doing it. As long as you're able to go into the building, you can keep doing that. If that changes, then it might be something different. So like Charlene, you all had to make a quick switch. You know, why, why pre-record and not necessarily, you know, do like a live Zoom thing or something like that? Um, so one of the reasons is just making sure that we're social distancing. Mm -hmm. And so um, navigating how, I mean, I'm kind of learning how you're running this panel right now, how to have multiple voices. Um, I mean, the reality is, is I think it's so particular to the community. Uh, if we did a Zoom, there would be a number of people who we wouldn't be able to engage regardless. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it would add any kind of uh, a mutual interaction benefit mm -hmm. for us. Mm -hmm. um, and we wanted to be, I know that you can um, record a Zoom, mm -hmm. uh, but we're also recognizing that people are going to watch this at different times. Some people are going to watch it at 8 a.m. Some people are going to watch it at noon. Some people are going to watch it on Monday. Um, and we found that we were able to make it and this goes back to what Don was saying earlier, tighter and yeah. shorter and more packaged um, when we had the editing capacity yeah. over it. Great. I don't think there's one, one right way to do it. It's just interesting to see how each congregation is making decisions for their community and they're making some, some different choices. Um, I wanna move on to um, just a few more minutes before we kind of open up for more Q&A, and that's just the notion of um, conversations I've had, things I'm reading, um, you know, some of the questions that are coming up, the deeper sort of theological questions are circle around um, grief, you know, the, the sense of loss that people have right now, um, death, you know, the end of life grief, but also end of um, life as we know it in certain ways. Um, I know uh, high school kids who, who may not have a high school graduation or um, things like that, family traditions that we can't have anymore because we can't be together. Um, so I think there's, there's grief. I think, um, I don't know if you want to reflect on um, kind of waiting, you know, to sit in your house for months and wait for this thing to pass by. Um, and also questions about what is community um, if we can't gather, especially for Christians, you know, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst of them. What does it mean to be a Christian community when we can only gather virtually? What happens to that? I it's not a very specific question, but it's, it's, um, it's some musings and wonderings. And I don't know if you've had any chance to think on any of that, if you've had any conversations with, you know, a church with parishioners or in your prayer times and Bible studies and things and conversations in the last few days and weeks about some of those things. Or are there other things that are bubbling up in your community that, that people are wondering about? Like, where is God in all of this? Anybody want to hop in? Yeah. Um, so I would say, Dale, um, 
one of the things that I've been really interested in in the last couple of years is the practice of lament. Mm-hmm. Um, and that lament is a way for us to, um, to be mad and sad and scared and also know that God is in the midst of that and that God can hold that and God can hold our anger and our sadness and our fear. Um, that's one of the things that we um, have started teaching our kids too. Um, we ran a, a family uh, discipleship group a couple of years ago and taught them how to lament. Um, and for kids, we did uh, we did an acrostic. We did A, B, C, D, and went through all the letters of the alphabet. And we had them name you know something A that you are scared about or that you miss or that you've lost. Or maybe it's a sentence. Maybe it's a word. And then you move on to B and then you move on to C. And it helps, um, it helped our kids, but it also helped our parents to be are able to articulate some of those things. I think in this time right now, there's so much information and there's so much misinformation and there's so much um, that's going on, you know, just sort of constantly that we're having to react instinctually and emotionally. And to be able to give uh, people and children the um, ability to just articulate what it is they're feeling, I think is um, is really key and really important. Um, I think that it's also uh, to, good to remember to take seriously people's disappointment. Um, uh, I think it's easy for for some of us who have grown to think that missing something like prom isn't that big a deal, but for an 18-year-old, that's a huge deal. Um, and so, so remembering that community is, um, is about recognizing the face of God in the other and how we do that is almost immaterial. Um, for a lot of our kids and teens, connecting like this is sometimes more natural than connecting, you know, sitting next to each other. And I think that's something that we can learn there, that the way that we do community sometimes has to take a back seat to the fact that we are doing community. Um, there's an authenticity that can still exist online um, as long as we're seeking it out. Um, and, and also taking seriously, if, you know, for me, one of my, my grounding verses is in Mark 10, uh, where Jesus says, let the kids come to me, um, because in order to enter the kingdom of God, you have to become like these children. Um, so if, if that is a signal to us adults that we have to become like kids, uh, this is a perfect time to start doing that. This is a perfect time to start looking to how our children are reacting or not reacting to, to seeing how they are able to gather online, how they're able to have meaning. And I think when we can follow that in the midst of that, God is really there in that process. Thanks, Ryan. Anybody else? Yeah, I think too that there's been just a wave of creativity and and we've been able to really take advantage of a lot of um, creativity, like how people are kind of coming up with a lot of ways to respond now and to really um, minister to, to loss and to grief and the gatherings that we see online. Um, and we're, you know, there's a generation that's trying to catch up with that. So I get to have um, millennials and digitals in my household and I'm actually taking from them and they're resourcing me how to resource my community, 
to respond to the many losses and the multiple losses and the compounded losses that um, my generation and older are experiencing. Um, uh, there, what, one of the things that went viral is something called happy hour. <laughs> so happy hour went viral and it was a way for them to gather. And um, I know we kind of might, might know about happy hour in terms of after work hours, um, but millennials were meeting to just kind of connect and to share jokes and laugh and uh, catch up with one another. And I thought, what if we use that kind of same con concept and use this term happy hour to kind of meet and just kind of sit with people and um, allow them opportunity to reflect in our community because we've had a few losses. Um, it was a space we were um, able to gather in one of, one of the spaces who had the technology to gather and just talk about um, what it was like when they were with that person, when they last saw them, when they were kids together. So it was just a, a great time for kind of smiles and reflection. So there's a lot of reflection work that I think is meaningful in a time like this. And actually we're also using the Psalms. We were actually in a Bible study on the Psalms and now we've kind of expanded that Bible study to talk about um, lament. Um, as we look at David's lament and some of the other um, lament literature uh, in the Bible, and that's been very helpful too, and the reflection piece with that. Thank you. I'm going to switch to some Q&A a little bit. I've got two questions that came in, folks. Um, two things. I Feel free to put into the chat box any resources, attendees, that you have found helpful that you'd like to share with other people. Um, and also, you can send in your questions to the panelists either in the Q&A or you can raise your hand and um, you can actually just, I believe, I unmute you, we can just talk. That might be nice. Um, get some other voices. But I do have two questions that have come in already. One is um, from Tom Phillip. Um, are there any lessons from the early church that we can use during this time is something that he has asked. Any of you have thoughts on that? Lessons from the early church? I think for me, uh, definitely, that there is a great lesson that uh, I think now more than ever, uh, for me personally, God is saying that we need to move away from just weekly, you know, Sunday gathering and really focus on discipleship and doing life together um, outside of Sunday worship. Right. So outside of the church walls, how do we really live out this faith? And I think this time really calls us to do that. It asks those questions and not just coming from the pastor or just the just the clergy, but how can we empower our people that they, too, are are reaching out, that they, too, are leading and hosting meetings and, and prayers and Bible studies and and that and that they are empowered to to, to kind of go out, not just within the church membership, but uh, just their neighbors. And so it's calling us to to really take our faith seriously and in the way that the early church did they met and broke bread and, and they shared their life and, and you know celebrated the resurrection consistently throughout and, and so I feel like this is a time for us as the church to really rethink uh, what what ministry uh, means and what church means what community means and how do we do that in this current um, landscape how do we do that effectively so definitely going back to the early, early church and back to the new testament i think um, is helpful great i add you. to that Daniel? yeah yeah um, and also try to hit a little bit andy fox's question about what ideas do you have for smaller churches who don't yeah, thanks that'd be great multiple clergy or staff people um i mean i think what mia is saying is so huge what we're and look 
I, I am from a church, I will completely admit, that has multiple clergy and multiple staff. Um, but we are seeing the, the dynamic shift really to the priesthood of all believers, where um, there is not a primacy on an MDiv or a Rev, Rev doctor, whatever. Everyone has to be going out there and, and doing the pastoral work. Um, and so it's something as simple as like taking a list of the 100 people, 50 people, 30 people you need to follow, follow up and just splitting that up um, amongst those who are willing. Um, and what I'm finding, and this is so amazing, at least from our community, is so much grace upon us. Like, we're going to do Holy Week, but I'm going to reuse sermon content. And I haven't had to do that yet and have felt like, oh, well, you know, it's on me to constantly pr be producing new stuff for this church. But, like, I'm fully going to steal Ryan's stuff and, and repurpose that. And, I mean, never before... I think at least for the Presbyterian church, we've been asking, what does it mean to be a connectional church? What's the point of, of having this network of churches? And it's for exactly this situation where we should not be coming up with everything. We should be exactly. borrowing from everybody. And that yeah. means talent, that means time, that means resources. Um, I'm actually loving how this is changing the whole power dynamic of a church that's always been very, very top down. Um, and so I would, I would just encourage, I'm, I feel for you and I would encourage you to, um, to use widely all the resources that are now kind of flooding out, um, from all different directions. Yeah. So David McMillan had had his hand raised, but David, now you've disappeared. I don't know to ask a question. So maybe it got answered. Um, let me, uh, Someone has asked, um, have there been some ideas from churches on responding to those who have experienced a death in the family, and especially when the families are asking about memorial services? Do any of you have experience with that yet? Yeah, yeah, that, no, go ahead. Go, Maureen. Oh, thanks, Don. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, we've had a, we've had a few losses in our, in our congregation, and, um, We've had to uh, meet with families by way of telephone and uh, minister to them that way, provide pastoral support that way. Um, and we've also been able to use emailing to send them just some reflection material. Um, and so it's just been a lot of phone calls when we're talking about early church for us. Um, you know, what seems primitive in our society is the phone, right? Just basic phone usage without all the other bells and whistles. But that's what's been very useful for us mm -hmm. in bereavement work has been mm -hmm. the telephone. Uh, that's so that's, that's been mainly it, yeah. That's great. Um, I have someone, a couple of people have raised the question, Don, I know you talked about doing communion. Um, Charlene or somebody put in the chat that for Presbyterians, sort of distance communion has been approved. Who's doing that? How are you doing it? Um, and if you can't do Zoom, phone, I mean, what, what are some ways to make this happen, folks? So I think tips? for us, um, and I'll be real quick about this, I, again, and this is just a, works for our context. Everyone's different. We're doing a video. We're going to do it with the same way. So that way people where, cause people have dinner at diff different times. People are on different, um, in different time zones, um, and blessing the elements that way. I mean, even I saw an amazing sermon 
an entire service preached by someone just holding their own iPhone. Um, and so it doesn't need to look fancy or professional. I think um, anything works. Yeah, we, we have this weekly chapel service every Wednesday with communion and we immediately put that in our queue for live streaming and, and the pastor who is there, um, you know, invites people to the table, uh, consecrates elements and partakes him or herself. Um, I was frozen for a minute. Um, I'm still good. Mm -hmm, you're good. Okay, good. Um, so prior in a sort of in the welcome to that service, I invite folks wherever they are uh, to get some elements. If you happen to have grape juice or red wine or our, our book of order says in the Presbyterian church could be water, could be milk, could be, you know, whatever is culturally available, crackers, bread, um, and to get yourself ready. And we will partake of communion a little bit later in the service so that they know that that's, that's coming. Our services are recorded. So they're also available on our website until the next service, the next Wednesday or the next Sunday. So uh, as Charlene was saying, people, uh, our, our folks are, are viewing services live or anytime during the day or the next day or three days later. Um, we've been extending communion to the homebound for uh, years and we really consider this that same thing, the extension of the table um, amidst the community. And um, it's been particularly particularly meaningful. We have a very large um, percentage of the con congregation that um, have Roman Catholicism in their background and being able to be at Eucharist um, is, is so significant. It is for all of us, but particularly for those for whom that's much more uh, part of their background. And, and so it's been really meaningful. Thank you. David McMillan's got his hand back up. Dave, I'm going to turn your um, audio on and you can ask your question. Are you there? I am, it's not working. I am trying to unmute him and it is not working at all. So I think we're gonna have to, are you there, David? I'm here, but I didn't have a question. Oh, you didn't, okay, you had your no. hand up. So I no, will. No, it was an accident. The, all uh, right. the mouse ran over it. <laughs> okay, great, thanks. All right, folks. Um, I've got a question here. How has your theology evolved about pain, suffering, or living into the unknown? How are you naming it and encouraging people to engage it in addition to lament? Um, I don't have a great answer for that, but I have mm -hmm. an answer for that. Um, when we were all gathered as the panelists before this, we were just, Sushama was asking us how we're doing. And um, I would say that this, for me at least, has been a very clarifying time for my call. Um, and so it's, I don't know if it's evolved as much as it's just been clarified. And I, I guess I've been 
resting in the luxury of good health and a non-pandemic reality. And so it's just kind of forcing me to answer questions um, constantly in real time that are not hypothetical. So for example, um, I have a, a member of our congregation who is a young mother with two kids who is 90% certain she has coronavirus and is waiting that week long time period mm -hmm. before she gets the results of her test, which is insane, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so we are texting because she is freaking out. She's having an existential crisis about mor mortality, about her kids, about all of it, about faith. Um, and so I think there was another question is like, what are things not to say during this time? I mean, there are things that I just can't say. I can't say she doesn't have it. I can't say that she's going to get better. I can't say that everything's going to be fine. We don't, that's not the answer that I have, but I can say that we, uh, we worship a God who suffers with us. I mean, if Lent tells us anything, it's that, um, and who's on the side of, of healing and life. Um, and that looks different in each of our cases. Um, but at, I mean, I, I was reading as Ryan was talking about the passage that he was working through Matthew nine, where um, Jesus just like does a whole slew of miracles and the blind can see and all, and you know, a young girl is raised to life and the hemorrhaging woman is not bleeding anymore. And then the chapter ends, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And then without missing a beat, the next verse is, so he appointed disciples and empowered them. And so um, my theology is saying that God is still at work. God's working through nurses and doctors and janitorial staff of hospitals and people who are delivering groceries and meals and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and so my theology is very alive right now in, in the people, in the disciples who are feverishly at work. I would say too, I think one of the things for me that this has revealed, um, I think that in our society, sometimes we think of utility as the highest good um, and that you are defined by utility and that there is utility in suffering. Um, and sometimes that's true, but I think what this has re revealed for me um, most clearly is that you are not your utility. Um, we have a number of people who have been laid off, let go from their jobs because of the economic crisis that uh, all of this has sort of precipitated. Um, and I know that there's a lot of suffering involved in that, that, you know, this, this drive to get back to work that I have to be working in order to be doing um, you know, being my best self. And I think that for me, again, the Mark 10 passage says that you are not your utility. Children, um, children in the ancient world and, and today don't have utility in the same way that, that adults do. And Jesus still points to children and says, no, no, you have to be like them in order to enter the kingdom of God. And I think that that's, that's been really helpful to look around and say, no, we're not going to let go of the most vulnerable in our society. We're not gonna let go of people over a certain age because they are no longer useful. We are, our, our nurses and our doctors and our emergency responders are not good people because of the work that they are doing. Their work is good, but they are intrinsically good. They are, they are good people outside of whether or not they're able to save this patient or that patient. Um, and I think that sometimes we think through through suffering with that utility that that what I am going through has to have a meaning. What I'm going through has to 
tie to some larger thing. And, and sometimes that's just not true. Sometimes things are just bad. And I, I, I think the Bible is a document that talks about that over and over. Sometimes things are just bad. And it's who we are in the midst of that badness and who God is in the midst of that badness that ultimately triumphs. Um, and so I think that that's a, this is a time when we can be saying to our congregations, um, who you are as you is good enough. Who you are as you matters. Whether or not you have a job, whether or not you are a doctor, whether or not you are able to do more than just get your kids through the next day. Um, Children's Ministry Frozen 2 is one of my go-to movies right now and and one of the songs that sort of changed my life in the last couple of months is just do the next right thing. It is not your job to save the world. We already have a God who's done that. It is your job to do the next right thing and if that is just getting your family through this day, nice job. It is not about the work, it is about who you are. Thank you. Do one more quick question um, and uh, then I'll close us with prayer. And just so everyone knows, um, at the end of this, I hope later today, you'll be emailed with links to the recording. The recordings will be shared more broadly as well. And then we'll be asking you some questions just about how else we can support you during this time. Um, and that will be really helpful for us at Princeton Seminary to get some of that information from you. We'd love to have that. And last question is, how has the pandemic ch challenged your faith? I need, to, I need one person willing to answer and then I'll close this with prayer. Anybody? I, I mean, I would, everything Ryan just said was gospel truth to me right now. And so I think that um, that's, a, that's been a challenging notion. And I wouldn't say that it's challenged my belief in God so much as my understanding of uh, worth in myself and identity is I am one of those who, um, you know, I see all these people delivering meals and volunteering and I can barely get through the, the day without um, losing my mind, just trying to get all of my stuff done for myself and my kids. And so, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's real. I appreciate that so much, Ryan. And, um, and that's something that's been challenged in me and, and that I have to continually learn throughout this process because there's so much to do, um, and not to feel the weight of that on us as pastors, as human beings, as members of our communities. Thanks, Charlene. Thanks, everybody. Let's pray. Almighty God, you are the stronghold of our lives. Grant us wisdom and courage for these days so that we may serve you and our communities with confidence and joy. Amen. 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 Thank you, everyone, very much. Go in, go in peace. Um, and hopefully we'll connect again next week. You take care.